JJ Cornish has been waiting on the line, and I don't want to be rude because this man's time is very valuable. And he's going to tell us now in African analysis. Hello, JJ. How are you? Bonjour. Bonjour to you. I'm immensely well. Good. I'm sorry. I, I kind of have overshot our time by three minutes, but I apologize. We got to talk in African analysis. It's brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. And look at what's happening on the continent. You got to talk about a bunch of things. And then I've got something to throw in that Bakabantu brought up. Brought up yesterday about Gabon. But um, let's talk about what's going on with this Nairobi declaration. And you do have to start off also by telling us about Zim's elections. Well, okay. Let's go on to Nairobi, which is the uh, African climate uh, conference. They, they're hoping to get together the Nairobi declaration that they will take to Dubai in November for COP29. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 28, COP28, you know. and uh, But th- there's a problem with that in the sense that the uh, carbon users, in other words, the oil producers, are saying we don't want to uh, go green. We need to continue making, uh, uh, digging up coal, making oil. And countries like South Africa, Kenya, Ethiopia, Egypt are all pushing very hard for renewable sources of energy. So whether they get a single declaration is very important. JJ, is this this a priority for a country like South Africa, or are we just wagging the dog of of what Europe and America tell us to? Because we're a coal-rich country, we're an oil-rich country. Well, there are other countries in Africa that are far more oil-rich than us, you know, Angola and Nigeria. But, I mean, it's fine for us to talk about the the mores and norms of – the Western and European uh, elite, uh, the, the idea that we, we need to worry about the planet because our carbon emissions are too high. But is this a reality for, for African people who have to burn wood and coal to survive? Well, you know what? The interesting thing about this uh, summit is that William Ruto, the Kenyan president, is saying, let us not use this for bitching and whining. Well, he said, listing our grievances is the way he put it. I'm trying to talk like Gillian Keegan here. Let us look at solutions. (laughs) And we, Africa, have more arable land uh, unused. We could become a food basket for the rest of the world. We should look at those minerals that we have that could allow for green energy, lithium, for example, and, and, and go less on oil and coal and that sort of thing. So let us go green. Let us be a solution rather than right. uh, the, the whiners about, about it. So it's an interesting point. You know, I, I brought up a multilateral uh, story because I know just how much that gets up your nose. Well, you I just, don't like I, multilateral you know, events no, you know, you because know the there's is, too much talking. Is we always end up sucking the hind tit, uh, JJ. That's the problem is that like the rest of the world tells us and then because the, the people in power in, in Africa will do whatever their masters overseas, whether it's China or Russia or the West, tell them to do. We do things that are, that are actually counter to our, our, our own interests. And I think like what would be great to see out of out of Ethiopia would be all these leaders standing up, being leaders, saying, you know what, you guys worry about all that stuff in the first world. We've got actual priorities. We're sitting in a country with load shedding, for example. There's no way we're going to fix that with solar panels. We can do it on an individual basis, but poor people are screwed. And why don't people stand up for themselves and stand up for their own people at these damn things. It's like they go there to, to have the free trip and to get the free meals and to stay in fancy hotels. And we get nothing for it as, as citizens. And I'm talking about 
poor South Africans, because you and I might be able to have sol- solar panels on our roofs, but those people in the townships and those people in rural areas do not. The fact is, though, that we're going to have to reduce our car use of carbon uh, energy, and we're going to g- have to Why? get more renewable energy if we're going to save the planet. Because no. uh, the, the point, look, look at what has happened. Why are we not? Why is Algeria having those wildfires? Why is Ethiopia, Kenya uh, uh, had five years of drought? Why did Cyclone Freddy kill a thousand people in Malawi, Mozambique, and Madagascar? Why are the West African floods killing 1,500 people, displacing 3.2 million uh, people? This is because global warming and, and climate change is, is, is lethal to our we, we, we are past the point of no return. And so everything we can do uh, to mitigate that, we, we have to do. That's what I believe. Very but, but what I think the nuance is here, JJ, like and Gareth is trying to point out, we're a drop in the ocean. The West is doing whatever they want to do. There, there's an island of plastic somewhere that America just shoves plastic out of the way, but we're supposed to have paper straws. Yeah, we, we're suppo- we, are, we account we're, for like uh, two, the Africa, the whole of Africa well, is like 2% of the carbon emissions, emissions on planet Earth. And it's literally coal and wood to survive. It's not for our fancy Ferraris and our fancy supercars and our diesel guzzling trucks in America. Aluminium smelters. And all these things. <laughs> we literally need wood and coal to all make right. electricity. So I, why I, should we I, I, bow I, I, down? I, we don't get... JJ, by the way, what happened to your eye? I uh, have uh, had a, a, a small procedure there, you know, because I've got, uh, what, what do you call it, um, I've had the lens replaced. Oh, and okay. I'm going to have to have the other one done Sorry. now. So I noticed that just now. Anybody's got a black. We're worried. Anybody's got you. a black eye patch? I'd appreciate it, you know, <laughs> so that I can walk around saying, "R, Jimlad, R, R, shiver me timbers, R." So, um, JJ, our president has gone over to um, help inaugurate Emerson Nangagwa, and the Zimbabwean elections, as always, fraught with you know, disagreements and uh, their various analysts who've come out and said, no, they're totally free and fair, and others who've said it's an absolute disaster. What's your take on that? Well, it, it has been an absolute disaster. They've had, uh, you know, the, the result was declared before the votes were fully counted. That's exactly what happened in Gabon, as it happens. Nelson Chavisa was going to Nelson uh, Chamisa was going to dispute this in the court, but he doesn't have faith in the courts anymore. He tried to do it last time and got thrown out. He's now saying, can't we have pressure from neighbors? Can't we have uh, uh, local protests, peaceful local protests? Well, uh, I I hate to use this old cliche about the one-legged man at an ass-kicking party, but that's as much use as what he's saying is going to work. (laughs) The fact is, though, uh, that... that, uh, (laughs) Emerson Mnangagwa gets uh, everybody, all the regional leaders there to to congratulate him. Uh, just as the Gabonese uh, uh, Bryce uh, Nguema, when he sw- was sworn in yesterday, was congratulated and said, we will have elections soon. Uh, or didn't say soon. We will have transparent and free elections. But he didn't say when. So I think once a junta leader hang, gets the power, he hangs on to it. And that and that's proven to be the case again and again. Although Gabon, we keep being told, is different from Burkina Faso, from Guinea, from Mali. Well, um, Bakabantu brought up Gabon yesterday and we, I mean, we just, just started laughing because I noticed the same family has been in power there since the 60s. Is that right? Since for 56 years, mm. yeah. 
Papa Omar, and then the son Ali, who was a rock star or a rock singer before he became a politician. Uh, uh, and then, of course, Ali Ali had a stroke two years ago and was out of office for, for for a long, long time. There was a sort of a vague attempted coup, but it never worked. So everybody says, "Well, Gabon's fine. It doesn't have a tradition of coups." So unless you do, you, you know, Gabon was <laughs> was the eighth coup in Africa in the last three years. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so when you talk about coup contagion, that's what wow. you're talking about in Africa. All right. So one one last thing. You know, you 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 may speak uh, beautiful French, and uh, you may be French, but uh, you 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 definitely call out France when they do silly things on the continent. Are they the silly ones, or is the Niger junta the problem in that country? Because Niger is also a bit of a mess at the moment, isn't it? It is indeed. Just to tell you that when you uh, tried to sound like Carlos Santana, you sounded like Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> I nearly walked straight into the print. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, the, the reason why France is not removing its ambassador as requested or the troops as requested is because uh, Mohamed Bazoum has not resigned. Whereas in Mali, they got the troops out and they removed ambassadors because the Malian president actually tendered his resignation after the coup. Hmm. Normally, they put, I don't know, put something under your fingernails until you sign a resignation <laughs> letter. But with Bazoum, that hasn't happened. And hmm. so, uh, you know, it's very dangerous. I wouldn't want to be Selvin Ite, the French ambassador, with people breaking down your walls and the bulletproof windows uh, when the, and and monsieur monsieur uh, macron says hey stay rest la mon vieux stay there my old boy <laughs> so you know it's a bit of uh, it's a it's a hazardous profession uh, diplomacy under those circumstances but they don't have enough troops there to hold off i i think at the end of the day uh, the uh, niger junta it's going to win, and, and they're going to have to get Monsieur Ite out. Wow. All right. Well, thank you. As always, there's a lot of stuff I did not know, and there's plenty of stuff for us to ca carry on talking about once you've uh, carried on. I do think this is the best comment of the morning. Uh, somebody said here, JJ is literally keeping an eye on Africa at the moment, <laughs> but just one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the jokes, uh, Gareth, okay? <laughs> well, listen, we love having you on. I hope your eye gets better soon, and we'll speak to you in a, in a couple of days. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, JJ. Well. Very good. JJ Cornish and African Analysis with Cliffcentral.com.